I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double team. Who going to get double team? And whoever gets double team, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, but full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Prideful Takes Podcast. As always, it's your boy Pride, and it's Wednesday. You know what that means. We got that boy Chris in the motherfucking building. Chris, how you feeling, bro? I'm feeling great, man. How you feeling? Another day, another dollar. We got a whole bunch of news and hilariousness, and the hilariousness is where I want to start. Ben Simmons is my hero. I don't care what anybody says. He is telling them the 76ers organization. And I swear this is a direct quote in his head. Lick my nuts from the back. This guy does not care, and he really wants to go home. Like, like, let this sink in. He shows up. He wants to go home, and then Doc Rivers says, you should go home. You're testing the men, and then you got the surprise Pikachu face when he goes home. So you obviously heard about that whole thing. Chris, what's your reaction? And at this point, so the 76 just take anything for him? No, I don't think the 76ers should just take any anything for him because at the end of the day, he still is barely removed for, in my eyes, he should have been defensive player of the year. Ben Simmons, he's got his faults. He There are questions about his work ethic. I have questions about his work ethic, and I would be skeptical to trade for him. But if the deal is right, I'm pulling the trigger because at the end of the day, we know that this, what because he doesn't want to be there. Um, do I think this was the way to do it? No. Because all this does is this lowers his trade value to some teams because it shows that there is no chance for reconciliation. Because of that, the demand the demand will probably say, stay somewhat of the same. It might go down a little bit, though. And teams know that the Sixers have no other option but to move on from him. So I thought this situation was stupid. I also think it's stupid for Ben Simmons because he came back because – he may not want to play, but he does not want to lose out on money. That's the biggest reason why he came back. Every game he misses is a lot of money that he's leaving on the table. And him getting fined, him getting kicked out of practice and suspended for the first game of the season is not a good look for the Sixers. It's not a good look for Ben Simmons. And it's honestly, it's not a good look for the NBA. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, now, I will say this. I am Team Ben because at the end of the day, why would you tell the guy he's worthless and then all of a sudden get mad when he's like, bet, I'm going to get my thing. Look, whether look, my, my, this is my whole thing with Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid is a, is, it has his own issues. They don't bring it up one time. And if I'm Ben Simmons, my thing is, hold on. But but let but, but I'm I'm saying it from Ben Simmons' point of my point of view, from him put his point of view. You're like, look, the team is supposed to be built around us. Let me like Ben Simmons has been they've been trying to trade Ben Simmons since last year. Like you know what I mean? Like the whole James Harden thing, and I understand James Harden is a better player than Ben Simmons. And that's not the argument I'm making. But let me ask you a question: Is John Collins better than James Harden? Did you right? say John Collins from, from Atlanta? Like, is he? He's, he's James Harden is better than him, right? Yes. Okay. 
So the Atlanta Hawks would not give up John Collins for him, for, for James Harden. And but it's because they like him there. Not to say he's the better player, but they're building around him and Trey Young. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but there's two things with that. John Collins was on the trade block because he was being rumored to not – basically the Hawks and John Collins were not getting along great because of the talks about the extensions. He almost got shipped out to Minnesota. That trade almost happened. But, but the only reason it, the only reason that that, that that's not it's not because they were like matched. It was because they did not like John Collins wanted the money he wanted. Atlanta wasn't willing to meet him. And at the end of the day, they met. It's not like it's not like they've been trying to trade him forever. They only traded no. because he wasn't going to extend. But they haven't been trying to trade Ben Simmons forever. Because if you think if you look back to last season, if the 76ers did offer a trade package with Ben Simmons. Don't you think that the Rockets would have accepted that rather than taking in basically a deal that was centered around Karis LeVert, who then got traded for Oladipo on an expiring contract? Well, the thing with that, the thing with that is they the 76ers threw Ben Simmons' name out there, but they want the the Rockets really was like, okay, yeah, we'll take the players. But what we truly want is picks. That's kind of the road they were kind of going down. They're like, look. We'll take we'll take some players, but because look, Houston when they when they traded James Harden, they're like, yo, we're in rebuild mode. It don't matter what we get, unless the guy we get is a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James or a top five player, we're entering rebuild mode. So that's kind of how my my whole thing with that was. But but I, I'm on Team Ben, hundred percent. You can't blame that whole thing on Ben Simmons and ignore the fact that defensively he kept them in the game. Now, I'm not saying that Ben Simmons is not at fault. I'm not. That's not the route I'm going down. He deserves some blame, no debate. But what the Sixers are doing, they're blaming him. And then on top of that is like, we want to work it out. But at the same time, you know, kick rocks. Like it, It's this weird vibe they're giving off. And again, Ben Simmons, like you said, he's not doing himself any favors because if you're going to show up, at least be professional about it. Just show up. If you don't want to talk to nobody, that's fine. But if Doc Rivers is going to have you, why show up if you're just going to stand? Because you know if you show up and just stand, they're still going to find you. They're going to find you like what they did. They're going to find you, suspend you for conduct detrimental to the team. So... Ben has to understand that. And again, my whole thing with this thing, the 76ers need to make their minds up. Because now you got Joel and Joel Embiid all of a sudden is like saying, oh, well, I don't care about that man. You're going to say that, but then in two days you will say you were misquoted. So we, I, I'm very curious to see how this goes out. The only issue I had with Ben was when Doc Rivers told him to do the the the, uh, the defensive uh um, defensive drills they were doing, when he was like, nah. Because, again, yeah, you're showing up. But just because you show up doesn't mean you're going to keep the money. They still have ways that they could, like, they could find you, and they could still take some of that money. And on top of that, if they suspend you, now they can go to the league and go, hey, look, he was suspended. He was doing his little whole nonsense. We don't want to give him that money. And if they complain enough to the league, as we've seen with Adam um, Adam Silver, yeah, he's a pro player, you know, pro player type of GM or um, um, what am I looking for? Commissioner, sorry. Um, 
he is a pro player commissioner, but at the same time, he's like, look, if you're doing dumb, you're doing dumb. And if he, you know what I mean, if he's got his hands tied, he's going to have to make the decision. He's going to take the checks from Ben. So my whole thing is, if you're the Sixers, why hold on to him? That's the million-dollar question I have. Why hold on to him? You guys are saying that, and I, I'm, I'm going to let you go, but before, before I pass it on to you, here's my biggest thing. They're saying that Ben Simmons needs to fix his own trade value. Was Doc Rivers fixing the trade value when he basically said that they couldn't win a championship with Ben Simmons? What, were they fixing his trade value when they were poking and prodding right after that loss? They were poking and prodding and trying to trade him, and no one wanted him. If you told – if what, what's not true? Hold on. What's not true? It's not true that no one wanted Ben Simmons. There's no <laughs> chance that it was true. It, it, it's not that they didn't want him. They didn't want to pay what the Sixers wanted to give. That's correct. So it, it's still kind of the same. Okay. Well, it's 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 different. All right. I'll, I'll give you that. So yeah, let's say they asked for too much, but the case remains: if you tried to trade the dude, why get him back? Because again, this this isn't this isn't like a contract dispute. It's more along the lines of Philly thought, yeah, we can get better without him. So if you think you can get better without him, just get rid of the dude because he's not good. Like you're not going to get anything better tomorrow than you would today. Well, they're not going to get anything better tomorrow now because of what that practice symbolized. At the end of the day, when when they tried trading him in the summer, there were talks about Ben Simmons demanding a trade. Sixers already wanted to part with Ben Simmons. Yes. As the summer as the summer continued, it got rumored from Rich Paul, Ben Simmons' agent, that Ben Simmons is willing to play anywhere but Philly, and he does not want to return to the team. Yep. From that point, the Sixers, in their eyes, to my understanding, they wanted Ben Simmons to be able to come back, at least to play part of the season, because that helps his trade value and it helps the Sixers get a better package. Because if Ben Simmons was able to come back, be a pro, come back to the team, practice like he had been the past years, and play for this team and make an impact like he did last season, then it would show the rest of the league and the rest of the teams that are looking at Ben Simmons that, oh, number one, he's not the same player that we saw in game six or game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals. And there is a chance that he can stay in Philly. There's a chance that he can, they can mend this situation. That's why they didn't trade Ben Simmons because they thought they'd be able to get him back with the team. I don't know if it was the right, if it was the right now, but they think that now at the time, the only reason they didn't trade Ben Simmons, bro, they, they wanted, they wanted guys like Dame Lillard and they, they wanted these. They were wanted. They were waiting for Damian Lillard to possibly go on the market. They weren't going to – There, there's no way that the the 76ers with Daryl Morey as one of their presidents of basketball operations because I don't even know how that works with him and Elton Brand. Basically, Daryl Morey is almost like Elton Brand's babysitter to make sure he doesn't give Al Horford a $120 million contract again. The only – the only the, but, this is how I think that dynamic works. I think it's more Elton Brand kind of – talks to the guys they have in-house. And then Daryl Morey is the guy who, if a trade needs to be, you know, 
um, done or stuff like that. He's the guy. That's how I'm looking at it because, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, what else does he – what else would he really do? You know what I mean? Well, they brought in Daryl Morey because Elton Brand started fucking everything up. Bad. Very- and, they, and they didn't want to get rid of him, so – but they held on to Ben Simmons because they were truly eyeing Damian Lillard. And there's no way that they were thinking, oh, we'll just be able to swap Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard. There's no chance that that thought went through their head. What they were waiting to do is because the Sixers, they haven't completely depleted their draft their uh, draft capital. Mm-hmm. Or draft capital, I'm sorry. But they're waiting. they were waiting for Damian Lillard to go onto the market because a lot of teams thought that Ben Simmons or that Damian Lillard was going to be available. He was going to go on the trade market quietly. Mm-hmm. If that were to happen, the Blazers would or the Sixers would have been in the best position to be able to get him because you form a trade around Ben Simmons, who already has a lot of value. They would be able to throw in three to four first round picks, maybe with a swap or two as well, and they could get that trade done. Yeah, but that's, at the same that's time, why they waited. But then, as time so on, as time went on, Damian Lillard turned out to not be available. So they didn't necessarily panic, but they started listening to other offers and started talking with teams that, more and more. And that's the problem, though. But, but that right there is my problem because see, the people who defend the Sixers say they wanted Dame, they wanted Dame, they wanted Dame. My rebuttal to that is okay. I get it. You know, Dame Lillard was on the verge of being out. And he is better, so I understand that. So then here's my here's my comment to that. Why is it that when after Dame Miller said, you know what, I'm staying, I'm, I'm going to try to work it out, when he stayed, why then go to other teams and say, Ben Simmons is on the block, what can you give me? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the, the question mark I have because it's because they still wanted to trade him. And that, that's the point I'm trying to make. They've been talking about for years. Listen, I think the 76ers still thought and still do think if it weren't for how the situation is being handled by Ben Simmons and somewhat of the team as well. I genuinely think that the 76ers thought that they can still put together a championship team with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the court together. And I, I think that's I think that, that's a legit. You, I think that's legit. I, I think, think so. Had the Sixers not fumbled the ball, I think I think it could have been. But that doesn't mean that they think he's the only option to pair with Joel Embiid. They, there's no way that they don't realize that getting a shooting point guard, almost any other point guard in the league that is somewhat similar in skill level overall to Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. that, that person wouldn't gel as well with Joel Embiid because they know he will. Whoever that he is, whether it's Malcolm Brogdon, whether it's D'Angelo Russell, whether okay. it's Plenty of other names. Basically, they wanted a better fit, but they don't want to compromise the value of Ben Simmons. It's a very complicated situation, and it didn't get easier when Ben Simmons started saying that he's demanding the trade instead of asking for a trade, and when they started saying that he will not ever return to Philadelphia again. I I don't think it's that complicated. I don't, because here's my thing. If you want to trade the guy, like, like you said, there are other guys that are a better fit for this team. That's not that. That's not wild to say, especially with that team. You want your pro, your primary ball handler. Not even that team. Any team. If you want to win, your primary ball handler has to have somewhat of a jump shot. Whether it's a three point jump shot, mid range jump shot, he's got to have some some. Ben Simmons. 
Say again. That's on, that's on Ben Simmons. You yes, saw. What I blame him for that. I blame him solely for that because like, I've said this before. The last three, the last three off seasons, he works on it and he looks like he's got a nice shot. And then come game time, he doesn't implement it. So I got you there. I'm with you there. Here's where I give some pushback because again, is it Ben Simmons does deserve some culpability? I'm not trying to alleviate him completely from it, but again, if you're gonna sit here and say. This, you know, we, in order to get better, we need to trade Ben Simmons, who we have sold to everybody. He is a pillar of this team. The whole trust the process thing, it led us to these two guys, to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? Now you're going to try to trade Ben Simmons and then say, nah, we want him back. Look, I look, if you want to question the guy's work ethic, that's fine. There's one thing you can't question. That, that dude got pride. That dude, that dude's ego is massive. In order to be an NBA player on the highest level, you gotta have a big ego. Most anyway. most people, most people in professional sports or even to any of that amount of a success in any career aspect have a big ego. Right. But I don't think the Sixers necessarily were trying to bring him back to keep him for the foreseeable future. I think they were trying to bring him back to get his trade value back in order. And they still have that thought in the back of their mind. This isn't a terrible situation. Do I think they want to? Did that? Do I think that they wanted to keep Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together for four more, four or five more years? No, because if they thought that, they wouldn't have put Ben Simmons on the trade block. Mm -hmm. But we've seen this before in other situations. James Harden was saying he didn't want to play in Houston anymore, but he was still suiting up and playing. Right. Correct. Which, which, again, which, which is why I, I do poo-poo on Ben because if Ben handled it this way, but at the like, go go ahead, bring it. See that. Go ahead. Should they? I'll wrap it up quick. Should they have traded him maybe a little bit sooner? Yes, but there was no telling that the situation would have devolved exactly like this. I I, I get that. My, the only thing I have to say, and then we'll go to the second part of this. The only thing I really have to say when it comes to this. Don't tell the guy he's a pillar and then try to trade him. Then when no, then whatever reason, the trade doesn't happen for whatever reason, don't say we welcome him back and he's still a pillar and then still be trying to trade him. That's the only issue I have with the Sixers organization. If they went up to Ben and said, yo, Ben, look, you want out? Look, show up, ball out, and while you're balling out, we'll make it happen. If they have that conversation, I'm good. But that conversation is not going to happen because what Philadelphia is trying to do, they're trying to erase what happened. They're trying to pretend like they never tried to trade him. They try to pretend that no one, like, that the fans wasn't going sick on him, that Doc Rivers was saying all this stuff, that Joel Embiid. If they just had this thing where they go to Ben and say, yo, Ben, look, stuff was said. He said this stuff. He said this stuff. You did this stuff. We're all wrong here. We all deserve some share of the blame. You want out? We got you. Show up. Who? And we'll get, we'll get you out of here as quick as possible. But listen, Joel Embiid never said anything bad about Ben Simmons as a teammate until the other day. Also, Ben Simmons is the one who started being distant from the team. Yes, his name came up in trade talks, but it was not a known thing until Ben Simmons said he wanted out of Philly. That's not true. That, yes, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not. Ben Simmons heard they were trying to trade him first. Ben Simmons heard, then he hit in Rich Paul. That's what I said. That they were trying. They had Ben Simmons in trade talks 
before Ben Simmons demanded a trade. Okay, I misunderstood. I misunderstood. I apologize. But it wasn't it wasn't until Ben Simmons demanded the trade and said he wouldn't come back to Philly that Philly was on the go to make sure he gets traded. Doc Rivers also didn't say that they can't win a championship with Ben Simmons. Yes, he, yes, he did. He did not say Ben Simmons specifically. Yeah. No, no. He was asked specifically, can you win a championship with Ben Simmons? And he said no, then caught himself, and then tried to say, uh, 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 well, I don't know. I don't think Doc Rivers – I don't know. I don't think Doc Rivers genuinely thinks that there's no way to win a championship with Ben Simmons. And that's a possibility. It could be a possibility that he was just angry and flustered, or maybe he had so much on his mind he meant to say, I don't know. That's well, a possibility. It's a, it's a more complicated question as well because in his eyes, he's thinking about Ben Simmons with this team. And the answer to that, in my eyes, too, I think no. But it's not saying that Ben Simmons is not a good enough player to be a foundational piece on a championship team. Just needs to be built differently. Yeah, well, I, I get it. You know, it's just I, I think the best thing everybody should do, I think everyone should sit down. They should come to each other and say, look, we messed up. It is what it is. Ben, come play. And Ben needs to, needs to come up and say, all right, look, this is who I fuck with. This is who I don't. And that, and leave it at that. You know what I mean? Because I think you need to trade them in the next two weeks. Honestly, they, I I think they should, but I think what I think Philly's gonna try to like try to get as much possible, and they're gonna be like, oh yeah, let's try to milk it. I would be like, bro, look, the first guard that you get that can shoot, that's what you get. It don't don't matter who it is, but if you can get yourself a guard or you know somebody who can run the floor with a decent jump shot. You're going to need to make it happen because at some point, keeping him that here this long, I mean, it's going to end up messing with the chemistry at some point. You know what I mean? Because imagine Ben Simmons playing. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it might get a little sloppy. But on a part two of this, I was asking, should they just accept any trade at this point, right? So you and I, we came up with three separate scenarios on, you know, who should go, you know, where, where you should go, what should the trade be. Let me hear your first trade idea. So my first trade idea is for the Sixers to receive Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, Patrick Beverly, Jake Lehman, just for salary filler, a 2022 top eight protected pick that would turn into a 2023 unprotected pick and a 2024 first round pick as well. And then the Timberwolves would receive Ben Simmons. I think this trade out of my three, I think this is, probably the least likely to get accepted by the Sixers. Um, I think the Timberwolves would do this in a heartbeat um, because they have a log jam in the backcourt already. So getting rid of Patrick Beverly and Malik Beasley would be somewhat of a plus, especially in order to get Ben Simmons. Throwing in the two first round picks makes it a little tough because you saw what happened when they gave that first round pick for D'Angelo Russell. It Turn into Jonathan Kaminga, who is a player I think this the Timberwolves would be really excited to have right now. Right. But I think Ben Simmons fits so well in Minnesota. Here are my reasons why. D'Angelo Russell has proven that he can play off the ball. He's a very good shooter, and he can also take some playmaking responsibilities away from Ben Simmons, something Ben Simmons hasn't really had in his career, except for that half year that he played with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. 
Carl Anthony Towns is the best shooting center in the NBA. It's not even close. No question. I I can't say that because him and Jokic are kind of close. can shoot. There's other centers that can shoot, but there's no one that shoots in volume and as efficiently as Carl Anthony Towns. You're right. You're right. With that, Carl Anthony Towns can play not in the post. He can play in the corner, at the top of the key, wherever. Pick and roll would be vicious because it can be a pick and pop. It can Mm -hmm. be a bunch of – there's so many different possibilities. And also, too, Anthony Edwards is a bucket. 100%. Anthony Edwards is a bucket. Now, imagine, imagine just letting him be a bucket. This is what this is what I would do if I'm the coach of the Timberwolves and I get Ben Simmons. I'm keeping D'Angelo Russell at point guard. I'm putting Anthony Edwards at shooting guard. Small forward, I don't even care. It can be Josh Okoge for all I care. I'm lining up Ben Simmons at the four. Yes. He's still – He's still going to handle point guard responsibilities, but he's going to be lined up at the four because he's such a versatile defender. He can guard every single position on the court. So I think this trade would be amazing for the Timberwolves because you have D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Ben Simmons, all players that are still starting their primes, all of which who the public sees to have good relationships with each other. And it's in a small enough market where Ben Simmons isn't going to get scrutinized and his ego isn't going to be always in under battle. I think this is a great fit. And also for the Sixers, I didn't touch enough on the Sixers. Malik Beasley can come in. He's a bucket. He's going to score the basketball for you. Patrick Beverly is a very solid defensive point guard. He can't. He's not necessarily great at running an offense. But he has enough postseason experience and grit to help the team. Jaden McDaniels is a very underrated young building block in this league. This dude, if it wasn't for having a bad year in college at Washington, he easily would have been a top five, top ten pick in the 2020 2020 NBA draft. Not even close. He has so much potential in this league. He is a great – he can score the ball with ease. He's super athletic, and he's a perfect size for a modern-day four. Yep. I I was just going to wrap it up and say this trade would set up the Sixers good, very well, for the future. And not not just the future, let's say five years or so, the immediate future. Because Malik Beasley can come in and make an impact now. Patrick Beverly can make an impact now, and when his money comes off the books, that's money to spend in free agency. Yep. Steve McDaniels can be a very solid contributor this season and keep getting better. Him next to Tyrese Maxey, that's a great young core to, young core to put around Joel Embiid. And yep. those picks can definitely be valuable and used in the trade. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I do like that one, you know. Um the only concern I do have would be Patrick Beverly because I'm not sure how he would properly fit in there. But like you said, him coming off the bench with, you know, having postseason success, he can't run the floor, but he's had had Doc Rivers as a coach before. And Doc yeah. Rivers has made him look like a very viable um, floor general. So, you know, him being with Doc, that, that have, I have no concerns with that one. So my number one, my first trade pick, I'm going to – I would send him to Sacramento. It's going to be the Sixers get Buddy Hill and, Mar- and Marvin Bagley. If you want to throw in the trade, sure, throw it in. I don't mind. Um, and the Kings get Ben Simmons. Look, as much as we want De'Aaron Fox to get out of there, they're not going to. They're not going to. 
That's just like Darren Fox is basically the only reason. Let, let's be honest. Darren Fox is the only reason Sacramento is relevant. And that's what they want. They just want to remain relevant for now. They will be relevant with Davion, Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton as well. But continue. yeah, yeah, that, but that's in more like <laughs> as of right now, though, you are absolutely right. Yes, yeah. In two, three years, they're gonna have, but as of right now, it's really just De'Aaron Fox. So if you get De'Aaron Fox, pair him up with Ben Simmons. Personally, I like that because not only can they De'Aaron, listen, De'Aaron Fox, I'm talking about being a bucket getter. Darren Fox is a bona fide bucket getter who's getting better every single year. Let that thing get a bucket getter who's getting better every single year. That's Darren Fox. Now you put Ben Simmons there, to your point. It, now it's easy on his ego because guess what? Pressure doesn't exist over there. It, as of right now, it doesn't exist in Sacramento. So you can send him over there. It'll be calm, cool. He can just show up, play. It is what it is. And for all we know, for all we know, maybe that pressure would have helped Ben Simmons kind of develop his game. Maybe we've we've seen him in a situation where the pressure is high, right? But I'm in a little pressure situation. Let's see what happens now. Buddy healed. I think Buddy got to get out of there. I think he got to get out of there. That's just my thing because the way he plays, he plays a way that frankly any legitimate team that has playoff not forget playoff. Postseason aspirations, championship aspirations. You need a guy like Buddy Hill, a guy who can be, who can not only dribble and get his ball, you know, get a shot off the bounce, but he can also be a spot up shooter. You know what I mean? So I feel like that would be perfect for them. And then Marvin Bagley, the reason I bring him in there is a Sacramento for some unknown reason isn't playing this kid. I don't know why. They must hate him. His agent literally just called. He basically ripped them all over social media because they're saying it's ridiculous. If you want to get the kid out of here, fine, whatever. Get him out of here. Send him to Philly. I feel like him. Imagine him with a coach like Doc Rivers. And then him being able to watch a guy like Joel Embiid. I feel like that will do a lot for his game. The only caveat I have for this. There's only one caveat. Tobias Harris needs to be the second scoring option. He can't be the third. He needs to step up and be the second. So kind of, but he's averaged, more, he's averaged more points a game than Ben Simmons every year. He's what, been. What, what I mean by second score, because the thing is, is he's averaged more, but if you, if you look at the team, he's not the second scoring option. He's not a lot, a lot, a lot of the buckets he's getting is because of Ben Simmons in terms of him giving him those passes. What I mean is you're going to need to, because the bias can bring the ball up. When you're in those moments, because Tobias Harris, he, can, he has a mid-range game. He has a three-point game. He can drive. He's good at the free throw line. What I'm saying is when you need that guy to go get you a bucket, as of right now, if this trade were to happen, Tobias Harris would need to be that guy. Because now when you have you got Buddy Heald. You're getting Buddy Heald in here. So now you have a third guy. So now instead of having him, you know what I mean? Like Now you can kind of relegate him to be a three-point shooter. You can kind of have him be – a, a more dynamic version of what you, frankly, of what they use in Seth Curry. You know what I mean? Like, you can now have a younger version of that and 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 Buddy Heald. And on top of that, as long as Tobias Harris, and again, not to say Tobias Harris has kind of been coasting the last few years. What I mean is in, in this instance of this trade, coming off this year, what happened, the, the Philly fans are not going to be trusting in Buddy Heald to be that guy right off the gate. You know, it, there's a few guys who they'll actually trust and say, okay, he can come and he can take off. 
Buddy Hield isn't one of those guys yet. Now, obviously, in like if he kind of just does what he's normally been doing, come next year, probably. But until then, the only caveat with this trade, Tobias Harris needs to be the definitive second to the point where he's bringing the ball up sometimes because he's got the talent to. And I feel like the last few, the last couple seasons, mostly last year, he's kind of been a little accustomed to, okay, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, he goes up, does a thing, or we'll do an alley-oop and we move on. He's kind of been accustomed to it. Not to say that it's his fault, because if I was Tobias Harris and I'm out here getting easy dunks, I mean, come on, bro. Like, who, 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 wouldn't, who wouldn't want that? You know what I mean? It looks good on me. I'm out here doing my thing. But in order for this trade to work, Tobias Harris needs to step up. Again, not to say he's a scrub. I don't want people thinking I'm saying that. But he needs to be the number two, definitive number two guy to the point where Joel Embiid is not on the floor. Tobias Harris, it needs to be in his hands. I have a couple problems with this trade. I don't hate, I definitely don't hate the fit of Buddy Heald in Philly. Mm -hmm. What I don't like is the fit of Marvin Bagley, the third in Philly. Mm -hmm. I don't think Philly has any, any want or need for mm -hmm. Marvin Bagley, the third. And, and he here, not, he, I do not think he would fit in Sacramento one bit. And at the end of the day, too, it'd be a one year rental because he's going to go into restricted free agency and Philly has no need for him. So, therefore, they would not want to bring him back. And here's my rebuttal to that they signed Andre Drummond to a one year deal. So, if he leaves, you can keep Marvin. Two, you can't, though, because you'd have to give Marvin Bagley not significant money, but you'd have to give him mid level exception type of money. To be Which able is to fine, stay. but but here's the thing: so Are you giving are you giving ten million dollars to a backup center when you just gave Andre Drummond? You have to. Minimum? You have to. You don't. And the reason, to, you don't the do reason I'm saying you have to is because you have a center who can't stay healthy. That's where that's where you kind of have to start thinking like that. Where whatever backup you have, you might have to overpay because your main guy is. It, it's kind of like let's say let's say in Golden State. Steph Curry is their best player. Let's say he was continuously injured, right? Like he he couldn't finish season. The, the backup they have, they would have no choice to overpay because it's like, yeah, you're a, you know whenever well, this guy's injured or something. Oh, go ahead. But when it comes to the center position, the problem is is they were able to get Dwight Howard last year on a deal for under five million for a year, mm -hmm. and then they were just able to get Andre Drummond on a one year deal for the veteran minimum. The mm -hmm. center market for what? Philly needs at the backup center position because you're right. There are concerns about Joel Embiid's health, but the way to fix that is not by overpaying a young guy who has potential, but a young guy that you don't really need. He doesn't even really fit that void at backup center that well because he is. You can run him at. It, let's say you run him at the four, then you're going to put Tobias at the three, and it's going to have a similar problem to what you had when you have Al when you had Al Horford. Because Not really. Marvin Bagley can't shoot the three nearly as good as Al Horford can. Marvin Bagley can't play defense nearly as good as Al Horford can. It clog it clog up the front court just as much as it did when Al Horford was there, if not more. I don't so, think so, though. I I do, and I think that because Marvin Bagley isn't he he hasn't proven that he can shoot the three at any sort of level in the NBA. He can he doesn't have a bad jump shot. He's good in the mid range. He's good in post up. But he won't be able to get his on the same court as Joel Embiid. But the thing is, he's not going to be able to really get his anywhere. The way that this trade would be able to happen mm -hmm. is if 
the Kings were willing to include Tyrese Halliburton or Davion Mitchell. And no, I don't, I don't think I don't think that would work because. I mean, especially Davion Mitchell, like who would, that, the Sixers, who would the Sixers starting point guard be for this season if this trade were to happen? For uh, for the starting point guard, yes. I'll be honest with you. I put Seth. Seth Curry's I, not. He's not a facilitator and, at all. He's and he's not. He's not really the spot of But he's not a facilitator. But who do you have coaching? A guy who can make. Like we said this before. If Doc Rivers can make Patrick Beverly look like a good facilitator, I'm pretty sure he can really do it. I'm not going to say with anybody, but with a guy like Seth Curry who has decent awareness. He has a decent IQ. It's not like he's a, you know, a, a, a bumbling idiot out there. You no, know like, he's not, but that's not that's not his role and it it I don't think it would help the I don't think it would help the Sixers enough. And I also think I just don't think the value's there. I think the Sixers would need to get a pick back in this. Because Ben Simmons, although they do need to get rid of him, and there are problems, and his trade value has gone down because of it. Mm-hmm. He still is a jump shot away from being one of the best players in the NBA, and mm-hmm. he's still he's still under. I believe he's he's definitely under twenty six, yes. so there's still a chance of him being able to do that. But overall, I don't hate the trade, but I don't love it. I like the team to trade with, but I don't think it's the right package. I mean, well, I, I, I'll in terms of. In terms of uh, Davian Mitchell, by the way, I just had to look it up. Ben Simmons is twenty-five, so yeah. I, I just I just wanted to double check to make sure because I I felt like he was, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. But yeah, he's twenty-five. The thing with this is you don't really get that facilitator, but at the same time, you don't need that facilitator. And the only reason I'm saying you really don't need the facilitator is if you really look at this team, you got a lot of guys who can really get their own bucket. But you so need- in terms of needing that elite facilitator, I think that's something you can sacrifice if you get some of the shooting that you get with Buddy Heald and you're getting, if you want to call it a rental, all right, fine, then throwing a pick in there. But at least you have something of a backup in Marvin Bagley who, let's say he, let's say for some unknown reason, Andre Drummond gets injured or something as well. You at least have something that you can put out there and go, okay, we know what this kid can do. Is he going to light it up? No, but he, we can still use him and he can still be an asset either coming off the bench or starting if whatever reason, because I'm going to tell you right now, if Joel Embiid is out with, and this trade goes down, Marvin Bagley's getting those starts. He's, I, I, he, I think he'll get the starts over Andre Drummond. I I would start him over Andre Drummond, but I don't know if Doc Rivers would, but that's a, that's a question for another day. Yeah, that's a whole other day. So that's my first one. Let me hear your second one. So my second trade is with Philly and the Pacers. And this is my favorite trade for the Sixers and for the Pacers. Um, The picks could definitely be debated a little bit, but I have the Sixers getting Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, a 2022 second round pick from the Heat and a 2023 second round pick from the Spurs. And the Pacers would get Ben Simmons. So... I think this fits perfectly for the Sixers because they replace Ben Simmons with an do-it-all point guard who doesn't necessarily have many holes in this game besides not an ex- he does not have that high of a ceiling. You know what you're getting with Malcolm Brogdon, but he's a he's an efficient shooter even when he's shooting in volume. He's a solid defender. He shoots really well from the free throw line, three-point line, can get his own bucket, 
But the biggest thing is, too, is you keep that playmaking. He is able to create for others. TJ Warren, he would fit perfect at that three because you'd be able to keep Tobias Harris at his natural position of the four, which I think is his natural position due to his size and his ability to stretch the floor. It's perfect. If you put him at the three, it can just clog things up a little bit too much. But I think these two guys, this is the trade that keeps Philly in, I don't want to say title contention, because even as the team's constructed now, I don't think they're going to be competing for a title this year. Um, At least in contention for the East. You got the Bucks and you got the Nets. It's just too hard. And honestly, too, I think the Celtics are a better constructed team right now than the Sixers. But with this trade, it might change. Malcolm Brogdon would fit perfect. TJ Warren would fit great because he can shoot. He can he can be that guy who can get you 20 in a night. He's not going to do it every night. But if Tobias Harris, because he is somewhat inconsistent, if he's not having his night, TJ Warren can come in and get you 20. If Joel Embiid gets hurt, a three, a one, two, three combo of Tobias Harris, TJ Warren, and Malcolm Brogdon, it's still going to be able to get you some wins. And the second round picks, I don't know if it I don't know if they'd even need them because I think Malcolm Brogdon and TJ Warren is enough for Ben Simmons. I just threw them in to sweeten up the deal. Ben Simmons in Indiana. I think Ben Simmons would fit well in Indiana because he'd have a coach in Rick Carlisle who is a great coach. Let's not, let's not just because he got fired from Dallas does not mean he's a bad coach at all. They just wanted to change the scenery. Rick Carlisle is an above average NBA coach who's won a title. And I think he would do a good job in coaching Ben Simmons and getting him to work harder. Indiana is a basketball state to the max. I mean, they have some of the most loyal fans in all of the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I think, if you have him on a court with Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, the pick and rolls that you'd be able to create would be amazing. Miles Turner is in that conversation for one of the best shooting centers in the NBA. And it's crazy because I don't mean to cut off. He didn't start like that. Like he yeah. actually was like, has been working on it. And it's now to the point where like you actually kind of do respect him. So the pick and pops there and the pick and rolls, if you can't go to, to, to the Timberwolves, the next best place for those for that type of play, which is Ben Simmons' bread and butter, definitely is the Pacers. It would be great. It'd be great for Ben Simmons and with De, uh, Demontis Sabonis too. There's been a lot of talks of Miles Turner's been in trade rumors for a while, and if yeah. Miles Turner does end up getting moved, they're going to move Sabonis to the five, which I think would be great. Mm-hmm. And even with that, Demontis Sabonis is an above-average shooter. He can shoot threes. He doesn't all the time, but he can do it. Mm-hmm. And it gives Ben Simmons the floor spacing. And also, too, let's say they move Sabonis, which I don't th- think will happen. But if you move Sabonis and you keep Miles Turner, that's a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Miles Turner can shoot. He can defend with the best of them. He's always in the league leading for blocks per game, total blocks in the season. And Ben Simmons and Miles Turner on the same team, on the same court, that – is amazing to have because you have two defensive anchors, two of the best defensive players in the NBA. You surround that with Karis LeVert, who's a legit bucket getter. I mean, this dude can score like the best of them when he is hot. He just needs to stay healthy. Add that in with Karis LeVert and a team that has wing depth with Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday. They've They've got some guys that can come in and score off the wing and defend as well. 
I think this would set them up well for the future. It would give them solidified building blocks. And I think this is a great trade for both sides. I'll be honest, this trade probably like, if I'm running Philly and the Pacers call me up with this trade, I'm taking it in a heartbeat. And like you said, I don't even know about the the the, the, the two picks. I don't even know if they'll even be necessary. If they can get just one of them, I'm taking I'm taking this quick fast in a hurry. And the main reason I'm gonna take the trade, not only does it keep Philly, it'll bring Philly as close as possible to being able to contend within the East. But this trade, I might sound crazy saying this, but I'm gonna tell you right now, this trade makes the Pacers a playoff team. With how much talent they have, you know what I mean? You you have a solid trio in Simmons, Sabonis, and Turner. You have that, and on how weak the East is. I think they'll be able now. Granted, they're not going to really do much, but it'll give them some playoff experience, and like you said, it'll be good building blocks. So, this honestly, if I'm if I'm the Sixers, and I can get this, I do a quick, fast, and hurry. And again, if you can't get both, fine. If you can get one, cool. But Malcolm Brogdon and T.J. Warren for Ben Simmons—that's something I definitely would do. And honestly, this. it's one of those common sense trades that, you know, but again, we're talking about Philly who kind of want to try to get a little more bang uh, for their buck. And well, they were, but also too, this trade was already in discussion. There were talks of uh, just a straight up swap of Ben Simmons and Malcolm Brogdon. I don't think it was a straight up swap. No, it was Karis LeVert. It was going to be Brogdon. Originally it was Brogdon and uh, Karis LeVert. For TJ Warren, or I'm sorry, for Ben Simmons, and then with this whole health thing, the Sixers kind of was like, you know what, nah, we're good. But then they never really brought up TJ Warren. Like it, it was kind of a little bit, but it was never as hot as how it was with Karis LeVert. Well, Karis LeVert is more of a commodity, and also to TJ Warren's on an expiring contract. But with where Ben Simmons' trade value is at right now, I think this sits right around where his value is, mm-hmm. give or take those second-round picks. I very well could have not included them, but I am a firm believer in that Ben Simmons still has, even with it going down, he still has tremendous trade value. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, like, like honestly, if just one of those picks alone would actually kind of, you know, put those with, with Brogdon and Warren, it would be nice. And with T.J. Warren's expiring contract – Who's to say that maybe if they – because if I'm not mistaken, if he – again, this is how most players are. If you get a little bit of taste of the playoffs, you'll want to stay there. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe that's how that's how it'll be for him. It'll be interesting to see. So my second – this one – this one I think it's not that much of a reach. So I would do the 76ers get Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, in a 2022 second round pick and then they have two second round picks one from the kings and i believe another one from the spurs i believe the kings one is higher so they'll do that the Cavs get ben simmons and seth curry hear me out hear me out take this ride with me this works for Ben Simmons because, again, kind of like with the Kings, ain't no pressure in Cleveland. LeBron is gone. They kind of know what they're – you know what I mean? You just need a decent name to put people's butts in seats. Ben Simmons right now, sure, people want to poo-poo on him. But guess what? People still pay to go see Ben Simmons. And especially when you have a guy like that and you put him in, in Cleveland, 
I feel like that's what we'll, you, that's that's one destination where you'll be able to see the best Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons will just play his style, and it is what it is, right? Now for the Sixers, <sighs> this one for me was tough. Now, obviously, I, I got to throw Kevin Love in there. We got to make the money right. We we we, we got to make the money right somehow. Um, yeah. Kevin Love with that contract is basically virtually almost canceling out Ben Simmons. If I'm mistaken, I think Kevin Love. Has more, you know, it's I think he's his is slightly more expensive, he's but it's kind of deal, so it's a couple million higher, yeah. So, but it, it's kind of like the same thing when the Rockets traded Russell Westbrook to um Washington for, for John Wall, it kind of was like, yeah, it, 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 you you had to do that's the only really other place you can go to to make the money match. So, I would say Kevin Love, Kevin Love gives him a solid shooter, an old guy off the bench because he's not starting. Let's just get that out the way. No way he's starting. And, again, kind of like that whole Patrick Beverly thing. He has a ring. He can try to mentor the young guy. So, even if he ends up not playing, and, again, it might be it might be over too much to pay for a guy like this, but maybe he could fill the Udonis Haslam role where he's not really playing and he's kind of just being an on-the-bench coach. Now, I know in terms of the money, it sounds wild, but in order for the trade to go through, the, you got to make the money count. You really have to. Now, not to say that 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 Kevin Love won't fit in the rotation. I think he would. I think he'll probably be the seventh, eighth guy off the bench. He'll probably be in there. Let's say when when uh, Joel Embiid needs a rest, you'll put Kevin Love in there or whatever. I know you're looking at it crazy, but you if if he goes to Cleveland, you need to throw Kevin Love in there to make the money match. And you when, once you get Kevin Love, you need to find a spot for him. Well, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You're you're almost saying like. You're you're put Kev, you're putting Kevin Love, who's probably going to be a future Hall of Famer, yes, in the same, in the same conversation as Udonis Haslam. I love no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. I'm there's not no, saying there's no way that he's not going to be playing, and there's also no way that you're sorry. Keep going. No, yeah, because I, I, I just let me. I, I didn't know I was giving off that vibe. I am not saying Kevin Love is useless. I'm not saying he can't give you anything. What I'm saying is, let's say it's one of those nights that he needs a rest, or it's one of those nights that, for some reason, your front court is just on fire, and you just don't need, but you don't need Kevin Love for a couple games. He at least can be on the on the bench, talking to the guys, mentoring them, making sure it goes. So that way, when Doc Rivers, because we've seen Doc Rivers a couple times, pout, especially his final year with the Clippers, he goes, "Okay, figure it out yourself," and he'll cross his arms and he'll pout. And then the players are kind of like, all right, whatever it is, what it is. When he gets in that in that funk and he, he he's bound to do it, you now have a guy on the bench like a Kevin Love who instead of being like, okay, Burger, he'll be like, yo, come on, everyone, pick your head up, pick your head up. You know what I mean? Not to say that's his definitive role. I'm just saying if he's not getting time on the floor, which I believe he will, but even if he's not, he still has a role where he can do stuff. You know what I mean? He could kind of be on the sidelines and be like the – Player coach, you know, the guy who can kind of pick up the morale and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So I I, I I did not realize I was making it seem like Kevin Love was a bum or something. No, no, no. I, I'm not trying to imply that at all. And then obviously Colin Sexton, look, Cleveland is probably not going to they, – they're not going to re-sign Colin Sexton. They're going to let him test free agency, which I think is the dumbest thing on God's green earth. I think it's dumb. They say they like um, Darius Garland, which I like him too. You know what I would like better? Him and Colin Sexton together. <gasps> Wouldn't that be great? But no, I, I like it. I, and I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. 
You can make one of them the primary ball handler, and the other one could be a bucket getter. When the could be because the thing is, they both can run the offense decently enough, and they both can go get a bucket decently enough. So my thing is make one of them. If look, my thing is I want to keep both of them. I like them both. Have one of them go be yo the the offense is clogged. Okay, boom, give the ball to him. Let him run the complete. Let him go be a bucket. And then when the defense is going normal or the offense is going normal, you could put it in like let's say Colin Sexton has the ball. He's kind of doing the same. The uh, the the offense is clogged up. They can't do nothing. Give it a Garland, and now he can go be a bucket. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I'm gonna get to Collins. I'm gonna talk about Colin Sexton, Darius Garland very quickly, and then I'm gonna get into your trade, and we can move on. Mm-hmm. Colin Sexton is not a facilitator. He cannot run an offense. The reason for that being is. The second he gets the ball, the first thinking, the first thing he thinks about is scoring every single time. He's not in his years with the Cavs, with the Cavs, I'm sorry. He has not shown a willingness to facilitate an offense. That's why they got Darius Garland. Yeah, I think that, that's, Garland, the point. That, that's my point. You can have Garland running the offense. Did I, did I say who would I say was running the offense? I think I might have you, you said Darius Garland, but you said either of them. But okay. Bottom line is. Darius Garland and Colin Sexton together does not work that great because they're both undersized guards. And although it has done pretty well for Portland with Dame and CJ, neither of them are Dame or CJ. Darius Garland has the most potential out of the out of either of them. He's a great facilitator. He has a great jump shot. He can be a three-level scorer. He has the most potential out of the two. So I think you hang on to Darius Garland. I think you trade Colin Sexton. With this trade, I think me and you have two completely ideas on the value, different ideas on the value of Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Because not only are you giving up Ben Simmons, you're giving up Seth Curry as yes. well. For Colin Sexton, yes, who is slightly more valuable right now than Seth Curry. Yeah, you can make the argument. Kevin Love. Yes. Who right now. I think Kevin Love can still be a great player, but he does not fit very well with the Sixers. How does he not fit, though? He's a shooter. He's a shooter. That's what they need. They need spacing, and Kevin Love can shoot. He can shoot, but they need spacing at the guard position. That's what's been wrong with the Sixers. Kevin Love, he would not be a bad addition to the team, but he's not He's not that great of a defender. And also, at this point in time, he fits better when he's at the when he's at the five. And mm-hmm. right now, listen, the the Sixers' biggest thing is they want to make a trade that's going to keep them competitive. And this trade does. I do not think it does. because How? Because Kevin Love still has two more years on his deal at over $30 million. So they wouldn't be able to have any money for free agency for multiple years. But then even before then, Colin Sexton's going to need an extension. You're probably going to have to pay him $20 million a year at, mm-hmm. at least $15 million a year. So they probably they they wouldn't have a lot of money, almost any money, for another two seasons. And Colin Sexton and Kevin Love is way worse than Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. And the fact that you're only putting in a second round pick is crazy. If, if this is the trade, if this is the because Colin Sexton is not that valuable. Kevin Love does not really have value right now. The only reason Kevin Love hasn't gotten traded yet is because no one wants to take on his contract because he's – But that's the thing. 
but that but that's the point. In order to get a Ben Simmons, you've got to make the money match. But that's why this trade doesn't work because the Cavs, there's all right. This trade doesn't work because the values do not work. The Colin, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, and a second round pick wouldn't even get you Ben Simmons, let Wait, alone you, Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. You're both. How? That may, no, no, no. That, that, no. Because second of, all, second of all, you put Ben Simmons on the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the idea of Ben Simmons and Darius Garland sharing a backcourt. I think they're I think that's a great match. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna put them on the court with a lineup that has Isaac Okoro at the three, who is a great defender. He has a lot of potential, mm-hmm. does not shoot well at all. Okay. Evan Mobley, who shouldn't even be playing power forward, has not proven that he can shoot at an NBA level. And that's that's where you put Ben Simmons. You put Mobley on the bench. You just put a, you just spent a third a number three pick on him, but even then, no, you're still giving him time. Don't get it twisted. You're still going to give him time. But even then, you got Jared Allen at the five who can't shoot. You think it's tough with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid playing together? Joel Embiid can shoot the three. The only problem is, is he's best in the post, so that's why that's why it doesn't really work with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because he's such a force down in the post. Just because he can shoot doesn't mean you want to pull him out of there. Ben Simmons would not thrive in Cleveland. Kevin Love would not do almost anything for Philly, especially with the price tag that would be on him. There's no reason to include Seth Curry in the deal because Seth Curry is much more valuable in um, Philly than he is in Cleveland. And if this were to be the trade, there's no way in hell that the Sixers would accept this deal without getting at least two first-round picks in this deal. Which is stupid. That's stupid. It is. It's it's, it's idiotic because why why desperately fiend for two picks when supposedly you're in win now mode? That doesn't make any sense. Just because you're in win now mode doesn't mean you're going to take picks to make the value work. But if you're in win now mode, that doesn't mean you're going to fiend for those picks. Unless unless it's a guaranteed top five pick, I'm not. If if I'm the Sixers, I'm not fiending for it. If you're in win now mode, you're not going to get an aging. $30 $30 million Kevin Love, who doesn't really fit with your team. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Keep the 25-year-old who doesn't want to be on the team. No, I'm not saying keep them. I'm saying there's better trades out there like the two I've already provided. No way you're going to say supposedly – okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to get into it. Okay, okay. What's your third pick? What's your third draw? My third trade, which is also way better than the trade you just brought up. This is the worst trade I've seen. I'm gonna keep it a stat. This is this 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 one. This one makes no sense whatsoever. All right, you tell me how after I tell the trade. This trade is Dejounte Murray, Devin Vassell or Vassell, however it's pronounced. Thaddeus Young, Thaddeus Young, and a 2024 first round pick for Ben Simmons. So the reason I really like this trade is because Dejounte Murray is a true point guard. He can slide to the two if you end up wanting to put Maxi at the one, whatever it is. DeJounte Murray is an above-average defender, pretty well above-average defender. He is a facilitator. He can rebound for his for his position. Super athletic. He can shoot and he can get his own bucket. But most importantly, he can still make buckets for guys around him. Devin Vassell. I was not a big fan of him coming out of Florida State. But – there's no question that he has a strap. This dude can shoot. He didn't do it that great last season, but there's still a lot of promise for him to be a solidified, very solid 3 and D guy in the league. 
which you cannot have enough of those. He would be able to fit in very well at the starting three spot within the next two to three years in Philly. Thaddeus Young, he gives them leadership and depth off the bench. In inst- for instance, he can play the four, and he can also play small ball five. And he's making $15 million this year, but his contract comes off the books next season. So with this trade, it would open up $17 million in cap space for the Sixers next offseason, and they would get a first-round pick. The reason I take this trade for the Spurs is because you have a legitimate building block. DeJounte Murray is a great player, but he's not a guy you want to be the number one on your team for the foreseeable future. He's not Ben Simmons. Devin Vassell is not Ben Simmons. And also, too, you don't really need him. They have plenty of wing depth. Ben Simmons next to Derek White, that's a that's a pretty good backcourt. Okay. The Spurs with Ben Simmons would have a solid team and they would actually have someone to build around. That's the Spurs' biggest problem right now. They don't have an identity. They don't have anyone to necessarily build around. They still have 2024 draft pick. That's okay. You have your 2022 draft pick and your 2023 draft pick, both of which are going to be high picks. By the time 2024 comes around, that pick probably won't be that valuable. So for the Spurs, it gives them an identity. It gives them someone to build around, someone who, with the right coach, with Popovich, could get turned into one of the best players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. For the Sixers, it keeps them competitive. Mm-hmm. It gets them a draft pick for the future, which, hey, I know they're competing, but there's no shame in getting a draft pick even when you're competing. Okay. I think this fits great for both sides. It makes sense for the Spurs because, like you said, they don't have an identity. Ever since they traded Kawhi and got DeMar DeRozan, they've kind of been in limbo in terms of who are we as a team, right? Like before they were, you know, people called them broccoli, right? When they had Manu and Parker and Duncan and all that stuff. That was their identity. So now with Ben Simmons, yeah, you can build around and It would be a a good place for Ben Simmons because, you know, he plays like LeBron without a jump shot and – what 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 kind of there's only one coach in the league who can if you have any untapped potential can get it out of you and that's Greg Popovich. The Sixers. This makes absolutely no sense to get Dejounte Murray and Thaddeus Young, and I'm explain why. I'm explain why. Okay. You just said Kevin Love would not fit on the team. Yet somehow Thaddeus Young would fit in and space the the front court, which is what you just said they didn't need with Kevin Love. Thaddeus Young would come in off the bench and play power forward next to Andre Drummond. And that's what Kevin Love would do. That is what Kevin Love would do. But you'd you'd have to have Kevin Love do that for more than two seasons, making $30 million. Thaddeus Young is only making... 15 or 16 million dollars this season. Yeah, right. He's making 15 and then he's gonna be gone next season. At least with Kevin But but and that's the problem though. You're losing him for what? Nothing? No, you're you're not losing him for nothing because he's gonna provide value to that team this season. You're not gonna need him for the years after. And let's say you do want him, you can bring him back, and it's not gonna cost that much money because the guy's 34. If you bring Kevin Love in. He's going to fill a similar role to Thaddeus Young does, but he doesn't play as good of defense. Yes, but he has. Better offensively. 
He is better offensively. He's a better shooter than Thaddeus Young. But Thaddeus Young is not acting like Thaddeus Young is a scrub. This dude is very versatile. He played a great year last year. He's not a scrub. Don't get me wrong. He's not a scrub. But you can't. Go ahead. The problem with Kevin Love going to the Sixers is it completely locks them down financially for the next two seasons. There's no way for them to get better after this. The thing with this. They're not going to be able to get better after this anyway. Yes, you are. How with this trade? How? Because Dejounte Murray is a very solid point guard in this league, and he would fit way better with the Sixers than Ben Simmons does. Kevin Vassell has the potential to be a great three and D guy. I don't think he's going to be Michael uh, Michael Bridges, but he can be a very good. Player. In that, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good with Devin. Devin, I, I have high expectations for him. I have him to be a three and D. I, I look at him as his ceiling is Michael Bridges, and his low end is a Trevor Ariza. That's kind of like my litmus test for him, where, like, I'm talking about Trevor Ariza, not on the Lakers, because he kind of was eh. – I'll give you that. I don't think they're – they're somewhat comparable, yes. Yeah, I think that's kind of his thing. With Thaddeus Young, Thaddeus Young makes them better too, because I'm not saying Kevin Love wouldn't make the Sixers better right now. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is Kevin Love – would hurt the chances of the Sixers getting better in the next couple of years. But they and can't get better anyway to... because the, the 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 free agent class is not is not as stellar. It's not going to be. But they're not. Great. But they're not looking. But they're not going to be looking at guys that are going to be commanding max contracts. They're looking at guys that can come in and fill roles, solid role players. That's what Thaddeus Young does. And when Thaddeus Young leaves next offseason, which who knows, maybe they might want to keep him. That frees up six. That frees up sixteen million dollars. Sixteen million dollars can get you a very solid role player in the NBA, and they could spend it on someone who fits better with the team than Kevin Love or Thaddeus Young. I believe. I believe when they, it comes to Kevin, they can spend that money on a small forward who can shoot the ball and defend. They can spend that money on a backup. But then, but, then, but 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 you can't say you can't say it'll work with Thaddeus Young list the reasons and then those same reasons apply for Kevin Love and then say Kevin Love doesn't make sense. No, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm saying Kevin Love doesn't make sense because of his contract. Mm-hmm. I told but you, you need before, the contract to work though. I told you before that you need that contract to work, but that's why that's why that trade doesn't make sense. Number one, the value on that trade you brought up makes no sense. There's no that's way good. that no no absolutely no way. Yes, Seth no. Curry Seth Curry you told me Colin Sexton Right now is not a commodity. Not the not a huge one. That, he's a better commodity than Seth Curry, and I don't even think that that's not even a hot take. That's not even no. Big that's not a hot take at but, all. But the issue is that's a conversation. You're forgetting that that's Ben Simmons is in that trade. Is is Colin Sexton's value anything close to Ben Simmons? Yes. Colin is Colin Sexton nothing more than. Jordan Clarkson with maybe some more potential. You can make that argument. I'm not going to fight you there. The reason I say Colin Sexton has a little bit more trade uh, appeal right now over Ben Simmons is frankly for the fact that again, I'll let you finish. No, no, but but you but you can't say no because if Ben Simmons had this great appeal, he would have been out of there already. The reason he's not out of there is because the attitude. No, not because he's a bad player. It's not because he's a bad player. It's the it's the portrayal that that's going on right now. You're right. It's the attitude, but you were also right before before you just contradicted yourself in that the wow. Sixers because you said as I did as everyone knows 
the Sixers didn't trade Ben Simmons yet because they were waiting to try and get an all-star or an extremely formidable starter in return. They weren't going to trade Ben Simmons for role players. And at the end of the day, Kevin Love is a way overpriced role player right now. He has negative trade value. If the Cavs were to just trade Kevin Love, they would have to. They would have to. They would have. If they were going to trade Kevin Love like they were trying to last season and the season before, they would have to add in draft picks. They'd have to do like what the Celtics did when they. But that's what that's what I'm adding. But again, that's why I added a pick and Colin Sexton round pick. Bro, you bro, have to add in two or three first round picks to make that deal work. They know it. They, that that's that that's that's out of pocket. That's no, out of pocket. No. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be for this year because the Cavs are going to be terrible. So their first round pick is going to be worth a lot. But it would be the 2024 first round pick, the 2025 first round pick, the 2026 first round pick, or if the 2026 no, isn't a no first way. round. Pick, no, they know what you're doing. All that. No way you're doing all that. No yes, way you're you doing that. Because no Kevin Love makes the trade harder to make because he has negative trade value. Yeah, if you want to say he has negative tri- trade say, value, that's fine. Let's say, let's say there was Simmons wasn't- right now has neutral trade value. No. Let's tell him what, be, because of the soap opera. Uh, He's still a star in the NBA. I understand that, but if it was so much of a star in the NBA, you put CJ McCollum on the trade block, half the league not only is fighting for him, and he's a star. Now he's half the league fighting for him. The trade gets done in less than a week. No. Yes. That's not how trades work. CJ McCollum, yeah. And it's not saying Ben Simmons is a scrub. Again, I am team Ben. But the way it's been portrayed and the negative attitude is what's hurting his his um how long did how long did it take Melo to get traded? Melo? That that's a whole separate story. No, you you can't count that because Melo said, I refuse to go anywhere. I want to go one place, one place only. And that was New York. Okay. He's like, I refuse to go anywhere else. So when, so that they kind of had him a little strapped. How long did it take James Harden to get traded? <sighs> well, they it took trying, they were in trying. less than a month of the regular season. I know it was less than a month. Into the into the regular season, it was about a month. About and a month. They were trying to trade him in the offseason as well. Right. And why didn't they? Why couldn't they, though? Because of him pouting and all that stuff. He is it, still James Harden. I don't get it twisted. I understand he's still James Harden, but the attitude, people look at it and go, eh, I'm a little nervous on taking that plunge. Well, people don't remember the Nets spoke to James per, per in the Rockets information. They spoke with him, and James was like, Bro, I'm in there like swimwear, especially when KD reached out to him. He's like, I'm in there like swimwear. And that's what gave them the confidence. James Harden even would have went to Boston. He would have went to Philly. All three of those teams, the Nets, the Celtics, and the Sixers, were all included in his tr- Yes, yeah, yes, yes. And they were and they were in a bidding war. So it's not like it's they were not, not like in they were, a bidding, they were not in a bidding war. Trade talks, the trade talks stopped with Boston because Boston wasn't willing to include Jalen Brown. The right. trade talks, the trade talks stopped with Philly because Philly wasn't willing to part with Ben Simmons. And then as soon as soon no, no, it's not that they weren't willing to part with Ben Simmons, they wanted more. They wanted Ben Simmons. Who was it? I'm, I'm, I'm they were not willing to build a deal around Ben Simmons. They wanted to get rid of Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons was included in the trade talks, yeah. and the Rockets wanted more. They not look at look at what the Rockets got for James Harden. You don't think if you put Ben Simmons in that deal, you don't have to give up five first round picks. Not even close. It would be Ben Simmons and two first round picks. Nah, no, no, nah, because the, the Rockets wanted young players. They wanted um. 
Ben Simmons uh, is a young player. They, they, they want they wanted they wanted Maxis, which Philly does not want to move on from. They don't want to get rid of him at all because they see potential in him. They wanted Maxis. There was another young kid that they wanted, Ben Simmons, and like three first round picks, or first and second round picks. Like they wanted all that, and they the were like, that "Look, got done, but the trade that got done wasn't nearly as valuable as the trade you just said." If they wanted that and they backed out and then they said we're not talking period because the 76 was like this is not legit. Then then the only deal they had left with the Nets. Regardless, the point is Ben Simmons has more trade value than you think, and you'll see it when he gets traded. We'll see. We'll see as of I don't know. I, I don't know how his trade value is looking. This is my third. This, let's move on. My third trade. This one, this you one finally got the value right. You finally got value right. How do you how do you propose this trade? Easy. And then right before it, you do Colin easy. Sexton. Easy. It's Kevin easy. Love. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. When it came to Cleveland, that was mostly a salary dump. That's what that mostly was. That mostly was a salary dump. This one, you got Wiggins, who could you could say he could fill he could fill either the three or the two, which I like him there. Jordan Poole right now is on a high of momentum, and I think right now is the hottest he will be in terms of any trade talks. I think this is the hottest he will be. So if you can get him, you know, if you're the, if you're if you're the words, you can throw him out there, see if they'll if they'll go. I, I like Wiggins. Again, the caveat with this one, Tobias Harris has to be the definitive second guy. He already is. Well, he is now. But he has been, he has been for the last two seasons. You're not you're not telling me you're the number number two guy when most of your touches you have to rely on Ben Simmons giving you alley oops. I, I I've said that's this before. Not how Tobias Harris operates. That's not how the six. That's how are. that's how it was this last season. This last season, a lot. That's how he was. And again, I'm not trying to say he's a scrub. I'm not. I like I like Tobias Harris. I think he's a hell of a. I think if you give him the ball and you have him bring the ball up, I think he'll be. He can, dude's phenomenal. I like him. I just think he's he's becoming maybe maybe it's because Ben Simmons has the ball all the time, so maybe I mean, that's kind of what it is. You I can, think there might be. I think you are right in some sense. I think there's going to be more pressure on him, but I don't think it's to be the number two scoring option. I think it's going to be he's going to have added responsibilities. Him and Embiid will have added responsibilities to be playmakers because mm-hmm. with this trade, I don't hate this trade. I like this trade. Let's get that one thing straight. This is the one trade you propose that I actually like. Mm. Okay. Congratulations! You passed it. Some you, you're 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 one for three. Listen, man, one for three. That's point three three in baseball. That makes me a Hall of Famer. So I'll I'll, I'll take that. All right, take it. But losing Ben Simmons to not get a definitive playmaking point guard back puts more playmaking responsibilities on Embiid and Tobias Harris because they are the going to be the focal points of the offense. Although they are mainly are they already are. Ben Simmons was the prime facilitator in Philly. And when you take that away, you don't really have one. So the offense is going to have to completely revolve around Ben Sim- or Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, therefore adding in playmaking responsibilities. Yeah, which, again, I, I feel like when you have those two guys, you don't really need a top-tier facilitator. You just need someone capable. And that's kind of what I look at. When, you, when I look at Andrew Wiggins – I see a capable um, facilitator. I don't see anything glamorous or anything like that, but I see a guy who's all right. And again, he could do defensively. He could, you know, he could, you know, he, he's a good defender. He can give you some solid points. You know, it won't be nothing flashy, 
but it'll be sad. I feel like he would feel, he would fill the role that DeMar DeRozan would have filled had he gone to L.A. He would have been the third option. He can give you a consistent 15 to 20 points. He can help defend, and that's really what it, you know, that's really what it is. Again, with Jordan Poole, it gives you a guard, gives you some guard depth. And again, this, this is the hottest he will be. And for all you know, he might end up working perfectly. And if he ends up working perfectly, you can use him to replace some, somebody else on, on that bench, you know, you can, to, to replace somebody, whether it be because they're too old or they're not fitting anymore. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. you got that guy. For the Warriors, I think they need to throw in some picks only because if unless you're putting Draymond Green in there. That wouldn't make sense either. Though. Which having th – this is the weird part of it. I can see Draymond meshing well in Philly because he's a facilitator. I can see that. And he has somewhat of a jump shot, somewhat. It's but, better than Ben Simmons, but – Right, it, it's better than Ben Simmons. But, again, it's not like, oh, my God, you know, like like all fearing. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's kind of like a little bit of an upgrade. Um, so honestly, looking at this pick, I, I again, by the way, honorable mention, I was gonna say the Clippers, but that would I've never even thought of that. That'd be interesting. I, I was gonna say the Clippers. The only caveat was I was I wanted to keep Paul George, and in order to keep Paul George, it is so messy that it's not even worth it. So that's the only reason why I didn't. They also don't. They don't have the. They don't have the assets to be able to get. No, that. they don't like. It's to the point they got to get rid of man. They got to get a um, Luke Kennard. Reggie Jackson has to go to Zubox has to go to and everybody and it's all players too because they're they're in pick purgatory until I if I'm not mistaken I think it's like 2026. Like they're in pick purgatory for a while. So it's all based on players and it because it, it, it'll literally just be those three. Yep. That's it. So uh, I wanted to say that, but not with Andrew Wiggins. You get a guy who's a solid facilitator. He can give you a, a, a decent 15 to 20. Jordan Poole, maybe he could pop off and he could be that guy, whether it be starting or coming off the bench. Doesn't really matter. And you throw in two picks to sweeten the pot. If, if honestly, this is the best you can get because the Warriors don't want to get rid of Draymond, they want to keep him. So if 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 you're going to state, this is really the only trade you can propose that would get the 76ers at least on the phone. And I feel like if I'm the Sixers, I would take this. I would take it because look, for all you know, you could take that. You could flip the, the two first round picks. You could flip those. And let's say things go south and Andrew Wiggins, you these are still flippable assets where if things don't go well. Which I, I think it will. I think I think Wiggins will fit perfectly there because he just shows up. He's the third option. I think he would fit. It, you know, well. I think he. I th all right. So I like this trade. I do. I definitely think by far this is the best trade that you've come up with. Mm. I think the reason for that being is you finally got Ben Simmons trade value right. It's gonna take if it's gonna be someone with salary who doesn't have that much trade value and a guy like Andrew Wiggins, you're gonna have to throw in a young asset and a pick or two. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to. This is the first trade you put in that has first round picks, which I was amazed by. But let me stop bashing you. Let me just tell you why I like your trade. <laughs> let me give you. Let me give you your flowers. Jordan Poole would fit well in Philly 
because I think him next to Tyrese Maxey, they're both young players. Doc can help try and convert one of them into a facilitator. If they can't be, one of them will be the sixth man, one of them will be the starting two guard, and you'll go out and you find a facilitator at some point in time. I also like this trade because I do think Andrew Wiggins would fit. I don't think he would fit perfectly in Philly, but I think he would fit well. And I also like that they get two first-round picks because let's say someone comes around, someone becomes available. They have – Philly would now have the assets to bring in a second star that would fit really well with Joel Embiid. Let's say Bradley Beal becomes available at the trade deadline. You have the assets to get that trade done. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a place where Bradley Beal would probably want to go. The reason I like this trade for the Warriors, this is really cool because Ben Simmons next to Steph Curry would be something to see. Them, that would be a fun team to watch. I don't know exact. I, I think it's – I don't know how ideal it is. I don't know if it would actually – I don't know exactly how well it would work, but if if everything went perfectly and everything went to plan, this would be really cool. I also think this is really cool because Ben Simmons can run the four, Draymond can run the five, and small ball lineups. Mm-hmm. That would be great because it gives – it still spaces the floor. You have two of the league's best defenders in Ben Simmons and Draymond Green. You have three – three – above average facilitators on the court at the same time. Yep. And you give Steph Curry the chance to play off the ball like he was able to do playing next to Kevin Durant. And what he's able to do with Draymond Green, and he'd be able to do that even more. And he thrives in that role. Yep. Steph Curry can do everything on the offensive end. He's a three-level scorer. He can facilitate. He can play off the ball. He can do everything. Yep. But Ben Simmons, it would space the floor for him so he'd be able to attack the basket. Draymond Green is one of the smartest players in the NBA, so he would be able to figure out how to play with Ben Simmons and find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. I think this is – I've told you before, I think this is your best trade that you've come up with, and I actually like this one. And on top of that, the one part that you actually didn't mention, which is what was in my mind, Clay. When Clay comes back, he's when not going to be able to be that same two-way guard that we saw before. So now you're now – You're now more defense. Exactly. So now you can, you can leave him on defense and he'll still be effective because you still have a fantastic facilitator in Ben Simmons. And now Ben can go guard the best guy. Now he can. And and like you said, the, the, like the Warriors, they've been their most success they've ever had was when they did small ball. When they did their small ball killer lineup, that's the most success they've had. It and is. now when you have Ben Simmons in there, now you can do that where you can put it in, in a small ball and your center can bring the ball and facilitate. Your power and forward even, can, and so can your point. And even when Wiseman comes back, Wiseman showed in his – he didn't have a big rookie year. He didn't play as well as I bet some people had hoped. But Wiseman, first off, I think Wiseman can end up becoming a top five, if not top ten center in this league oh, for many sure. years. I still think he has plenty of potential. He has a lot to give to this game. But one of the things that he surprised people with that I think people forget about is he showed a willingness to shoot the three. Mm-hmm. If he can shoot the three, they're they're looking good because that'd be a lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. I put them in all those same positions as well. 
And the thing is, the only one person who can't shoot would be Ben. Everybody else would be able to shoot and in some way where you got to respect them. And if you have Ben Simmons on a team with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and he he still doesn't learn how to at least be a willing shooter. At that point, we're going to have to sit Ben down. No one's asking Ben Simmons to become like do exactly what Lonzo Ball did and become an above average three point shooter. Yep. See what Marcus Smart did. Yeah, exactly. Look at what Rajon Rondo did. Thank you. Thank oh, just chuck three of them bitches up. Three, chuck up three of those in a game if you make one of them good, but at least bring the defense out to have to guard you so you open up the floor. And that, honestly, that's all I feel. Like, and that's, that's the knock I give on Ben. If you just that's shot three times, yeah, if you shot three times, you'd be fine. And he's had six years to try and do it. And granted, I've seen him working at it, but oh But then he God. doesn't implement it, and that's the first thing. He hasn't done anything with it. No. Nope. But that's enough. We've, been, we've had an hour and 20 minutes on Ben Simmons, so let's stop talking about this doofus and get to the next subject. Yo, you hate Ben Simmons that bad, huh? He, the more I talk about him, he just gets me pissed off, man. <laughs> I, no, actually, no. You seem like you hate Ben Simmons. You would give up I, Ben no, Simmons. Hold on, no. I love, hold on, hold on. I love Ben Simmons. You think he's trash. But the thing is, his perception right now is not the best. Uh, I'm just saying. We'll see. When the trade goes through, we'll see it. When it goes through, I promise I won't say nothing about it. I'll save it just for you. Yeah. Let's keep this section short because I think we're going to have the same answer. Oh, 100%. Lake Show, they took an L to the Warriors, in which all these haters and all these casual fans came out of the woodworks. Was it preseason now? Was it preseason now? People are questioning, can they actually win? Which the million-dollar question needs to be asked because for some unknown reason, nobody really wants to mention it. Is one regular season game being blown way too much out of proportion or... Are the people who are saying this can't work, are they on to something, Chris? Those people are not on to anything. Thank you. They are not on to a goddamn thing. The Los Angeles Lakers have one of the deepest teams and one of the best teams in the NBA. Yes, there's questions about whether or not Russell Westbrook can fit next to LeBron James because LeBron James, throughout his whole career, he's been most successful when he has great spot-up shooters playing next to him. But Russell Westbrook, even though he did not have a good game, LeBron James himself said after the game, he said, listen, this guy is more hard on himself than anyone is on him. LeBron is even telling him, take it easy on yourself. You're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. And even in that small sample size, that one regular season game where he only had eight points, Russell Westbrook, still he still showed that he has a good connection with Anthony Davis. He's showing that he – knows somewhat of how to play next to LeBron James. He knows to not do too much. Like, it's not like the dude chucked up 20 shots and missed 15 of them, all right? I think he only shot the ball 12 or 14 times, which for a third star, that's right around where you want to be. And there's going to be nights where he's asked to shoot more and he can deliver. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is the Lakers, there's so many new guys on this team. There's so many new guys on this team. I mean – Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Mello, Trevor Ariza, Rondo's back, Russell Westbrook. 
Wayne Ellington. I The list goes on. There's so many new guys on this team. It's going to take time for them to figure out how to gel. And most importantly, it's going to take a little time for Westbrook to learn how to play his best basketball next to LeBron and AD. But I think it will happen. Um, I'm on record saying I don't think this team will win a championship. I think Russ doesn't fit. Um, it, this is – I the Lakers are going to be horrible in the beginning. They are. I wouldn't say horrible. But it's, I'm going to say horrible because a lot of times when you're trying to get used to each other, you're going to end up having a horrible rep. That's this just is, usually how it goes. This is your podcast, so I'm going to let that slide. Oh, if, if, if you don't want to say horrible, fine. Agree, disagree. They're gonna have a rough beginning. Like the beginning, it's gonna be rough because That's yeah, we everyone needs to get acclimated with each other. Everyone needs to be able to understand something. My whole thing with this, and again, this is coming from a guy who I believe this team will not win. I love, I love LeBron and I love AD, but Russ is basically really the oddball in this whole thing, you know, because he's just not that. He's not that efficient. He's not a shooter, which like you like you pointed to, that's kind of how we like like that's how LeBron wants. He wants people to have some shooter. But at the same time, we can't just blame Russ on the loss. Because yes, you know, he, he obviously he went four for 13. But then when you were coming off the bench, the highest scorer was Melo, who gave you nine. So now you start looking at the bench, and it's kind of like, you know. You got guys going one for four and all that stuff. And it's like, I, I love the aggressiveness LeBron and AD are doing, but you're going to need to get some from the bench as well. I think I, all that comes with time. Um, I, I, I just don't. Me personally, I'm waiting to see this team about a month in. Let's see them a month in. Let's see how they, how they um, gel well. Because coming off game one, I, 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 and not to say that this doesn't hold any validity, but I don't think we should get, like, you know, up in arms and go, oh, my God, you know, it's off. Because, again, these guys need time, especially when, you know, the big, like, you know, the whole big three. Russ, Russ is new to this. So was Melo. So was Malik Monk. So it's like I understand role players. It's easier to fit them in. But then when you're trying to fit a star into the big three, more times than not, you're going to have your patches where you're trying to figure it out. How can I play well? How can I fit in? What can I do with how I play? How can I use that to incorporate into this team so that way we can all get off to the best start? I agree. I I do think this team can win a championship, and I honestly think that they will, but that's not that's not a huge debate. Mm-hmm. What I do think you hit completely on the head is that this team is going to take time because not only are all of these players figuring out how to play together and alongside LeBron, Westbrook, and AD – all these role players, LeBron, Westbrook, and AD are still trying to figure out how to play together as the big three. And until them three figure out how to play together, it's going to take time for everyone else to figure out how to play next to all of them. So it's going to take time for this team. I definitely think people are overreacting, writing them off and saying that they can't compete for a championship and all this stuff. I think it's going to take time, and I think we're going to see them hit their stride, like their real stride, looking as possibly the best team in the NBA by the time November, December comes. Which is exactly, which honestly, there's that whole, the whole saying, the regular season doesn't really start until Christmas Day. If you want to go based on that, 
it's going to take time for them to gel. By Christmas Day, we'll be able to see whether or not this is a legit team or if not. But to, you know, be all in the hoopla about it now, I feel like people are just – they just hate LeBron. You know what I mean? The It's a combination with LeBron. People are still mad at AD because of how he got there. So they hate him too. You know, people hate Russ. So that's in there too. And then it's the Lakers. So that yeah, is – but the bottom line is, and we can move on. The bottom line is, it's going to take time, but they have time. Oh yeah, okay. they they got they got plenty of time. You know, it's, it's only it's only one game, so the, you know I, they should not be they should not be panicking. But speaking of panicking, week seven, we got some teams in the NFL whose season has not been looking good. Um, you and I, we agreed on two teams. There's one team that is different for each of us. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, this little conversation of ours pops off. Who's your first team that uh, needs to panic? My first team that needs to panic is the 49ers. And in my eyes, this is the team. This is probably the best team out of the three teams that I have here. But what alarms me about them is, number one, they've lost three straight games. That's Mm -hmm. not good. They're two and three, and that puts them towards the bottom of their division in one of the hardest divisions in football and they still got to play the, I don't think they've even played the Rams yet. I don't think so. No, they got to play the Rams twice and they got to play the Cardinals again. And they lost to the Cardinals when the Cardinals looked their worst all season. And it's not because of how the 49ers play. It's because the Cardinals just didn't look good. They mm-hmm. had an off day. So, but the biggest things that strike me with the Niners that scares me is I'm just going to read you off some things. Go ahead. They barely beat the Eagles. They beat the Eagles 17 to 11. If you want to be a playoff team, which coming into the season, the 49ers were definitely expected to be the playoff hunt. If not just the playoff hunt, they were expected to be a dark horse for the Super Bowl. I mean, this is this is a team that was unhealthy last year. And if healthy, they had a great chance of making it to the Super Bowl, even with the Bucs there because of how good their defense is. And how formidable their wide receiver, their receiving core has become. Their offensive line has gotten better. They have a well set up team. They barely beat the Lions. The Lions are the last team in the NFL who haven't won a game yet. They have the probably the second worst roster in the NFL. I love I love their coach, but they have one of the worst rosters. And then just some stats for you. They're 29th in passing yards, mm. which isn't that surprising because they're not looked at to be this huge slinging team. You know what I mean? Second off, this is the most, the most worrisome stat about this team. They're 25th in sacks in the league with 11. Granted, they're tied with uh, numerous teams, but 25th in the NFL in sacks when you have Nick Bosa, Mm. that can't be happening. Nope. That that cannot be happening. They the guys on their defense need to step up and the problem is I don't know if they will. They're also 31st in receptions, tied with a bunch of teams with only one takeaway. They don't have a lot of fumbles either. And having a bad kicker can suck. And they're 30th in field goal percentage, only making two out of three field goals. That's not good. Not at all. That's, that's my that's my first team that needs to be hitting the panic button. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there for all the all the stuff you stated. But I'm just gonna add one more extra thing. I mean, 
we were told that this team had it all, and if they just had a quarterback, they'd be fine. They're putting their, you know, obviously they don't trust Jimmy G, which is why they got Trey Lance. And Trey Lance isn't ready. He's not ready. And I don't think I think because of that, it's not his year. And I thought Jimmy G would be able to have a better year because of the pressure that's being put on him from Trey mm-hmm. Lance. Also, too, they got Trent Williams and Alex Mack. Their yeah. offensive line has gotten a yeah. lot better. They have the line, and it's it's a shame because if you just put a quarterback in there, they would take off. So now they're kind of in this weird spot where we have – and granted, there are suffering injuries at the running back position. I don't want to poo-poo on that. But at the same time, this was the year of Jimmy G. This was, this was porn star Jimmy's year to pop off. This yeah. was his opportunity, and now we're kind of seeing the same thing where when he's on the field, it's kind of more passe, kind of like a game manager. And when he's when he's not on the field, it's because he's injured. And then the guy replacing him isn't ready. So now they're kind of stuck where by the time he's ready, everyone else is probably going to be gone. And that's kind of a shame. So in terms of, you know, the 49ers, I'm right there with you. They definitely got to be panicking. Who's your second team? Uh, My second team is the Dolphins. And the Dolphins have been, in my eyes, the most disappointing team in football. Mm -hmm. They're a year removed from winning 10 games. 10 games. And they're getting a better Tua, although he's been hurt. They drafted Jalen Phillips, who, in my eyes, was the best pass rusher in the draft class. And they look terrible. I mean, they shouldn't have a game this year. They shouldn't have won against the Patriots. They squeaked by by one point, and it was against Mac Jones and the Patriots. Mac Jones' first start in the NFL in the regular season, his first real start. And also, too, keep in mind, I think the Pats are better than their record states, but the Pats still aren't that good. True. You know what I mean, true. The Dolphins, the Dolphins shouldn't have a win this season. They're tied for last in the division with the New York Jets, the train wreck New York Jets. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Jaguars last week with a healthy Tua, which is mm-hmm. terrible. They shouldn't have beaten the Pats. They got shut out by the Bills, a division game, 35 to nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good the Bills are. If you're getting shut out 35 nothing, you're bad. 100%. Got destroyed by the Buccaneers, 45 to 17. And I'm sorry, if you're scoring 17 points on a Bucs defense that, number one, is hurt right now, and also their secondary is not good, it's looking rough. They're 25th in passing yards, mm-hmm. 27th in passer rating. Their O-line has allowed 16 sacks on the year. They're 31st in rushing yards, which – the only the Lord knows why they haven't used Miles Gaskin yet. They're 27th in defensive passing rating, allowing quarterbacks a 105.6 passer rating against them, and they're 30th in passing yards allowed. This team has taken more steps back than anyone could have imagined. 100%. And it's a shame because this this defense was this team was vaunted as a phenomenal defensive team. And for some unknown reason, all that stuff, all that provide, all that hype, all of a sudden is not translating on the field. It's very interesting because they honestly, I, I was told that this team, the defense just needed to keep the ship steady to not turn the ball over. And that's it. And it's crazy because Tua is balling out. He is. 
Tua's playing good. Right. Go ahead. Everything else, every, everything. I'm sorry to cut you off, but Tua is actually playing good. I I knew Tua was going to play good. Yes. There's a lot of people that wrote him off, though. Which is ridiculous. I know plenty of people that said Tua is going to be a bust. He's not going to be good. Look at him. He's playing well. Yeah. He's not, he's- they got Jalen Waddle. They got it. They got a definitive number one receiver. They've but oh my god, their O line is terrible. Their secondary has not looked good. Granted, Howard's hurt right now. I understand, but even without that, I mean, oh my god, they look like a train wreck. And even when Howard's healthy, he wants to get traded. Yep, he's like he's like at this point, he's like, yo, y'all not giving me my money. I want to get out of here. And it's crazy because now they're not, there's rumors going around that Deshaun Watson is going to end up getting traded to the Dolphins in like a three team trade involving the Washington football team. I will say this. As much as I like Watson, I don't think he'll be able to fix his team. Well, I don't know if he, I don't think he'll be able to fix his team this year, but as long as they don't have to completely get rid of the draft picks that they've been able to accumulate over the few years that Brian Flores and the new GM have been there, <laughs> they will have the assets and they still have some money in order to be able to get the talent to surround Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so, yep. With that being said, it's not going to be cheap to get Deshaun Watson. And also, too, no one knows how that case is going to go. And that's the scary I mean, part about it. Because- let's say you lose Deshaun Watson for a whole season. you got to pay him all that money. And, oh, my God, like it, it could be a great trade for them or it could be a train wreck because no one really knows how that case is going to go down. Right, and the thing is, the NFL originally they said if whoever activates him, there's a legit chance he could be indefinitely suspended. So now you're gonna go get rid of Tua, have him indefinitely suspended, pay him, and then have to continue the season with Jacoby Brissett. And it's kind of interesting because if if this the if this trade goes goes down, Tua gets sent to Washington, and I feel like that's the best place for him because. Not only is he the definitive starter, not only does he have a number one in Scary Terry, but now he has an organization that believes in him and wants to give him the opportunity. So I feel like now people will finally stop painting on Tua because now you're going to see him on another team and him still putting up numbers. And at some point you're going to have to go, okay, you know what, Tua, you got it, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Uh, but so I'm, I'm going to give my third team last. What's your, what's your what's your final team? Because this is one we agreed on. Wait, this is the one we didn't agree on. No, this is the one we did agree on. I'm gonna give the the one because I didn't have the Dolphins down. I had another team. I'm gonna bring it up at last. Yeah. So my last team that I think is definitely needs to hit the panic button is the Seattle Seahawks. Right now they're two and four. They've lost two straight, and the biggest thing is they're in last place in their division. And it is one of the it, it is the toughest division in football. They still need to see the Rams again. I know I just said the Niners need to hit the panic button, but they still they still have the team. They got the the assets in place to be able to get some wins, mm-hmm. and so that's not going to be an easy win. They still need to play the Cardinals twice or once. I think once because so I they think need, they already played them. They need to play the Cardinals again. They need to play the Rams again, and they need to play the Niners twice. So that's that's not easy. And the one of the biggest things about the Seahawks that's killing me is they're 16th in passing yards with Russell Wilson. 
that's concerning because well, we all know what Russell Wilson can do. Granted, Geno Smith played in that one game, a game and a half. Yeah, cause no, well, so Russ is out for. I think we're not seeing him till twenty. Uh, wow, twenty. Uh, week ten, I believe. And and Gino that, Smith that in itself, that in itself is terrible. But the biggest thing with me is even with Russell Wilson on the field, they weren't playing that good. No, they they weren't like winning some crazy games, and they were keeping a lot of games close. But how much better were they than the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, the and they might not even be better at all because the Vikings are a more well-rounded team. They're very similar, though. They are two very similar teams. Definitely. But when you have Russell Wilson at quarterback and you are 16th in the league in passing yards, there's problems, and you know it's not because of Russell Wilson because nope. this dude's a stud. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Their offensive line is a problem. It, it has been for years, and I got a feeling that it always will be until they start really investing draft picks and hitting on good offensive linemen. They're 28th in sacks allowed. Their yeah. offensive line has given up 18 sacks this season. That's atrocious. They're also 28th on the defensive side of the ball. They're 28th in passing yards allowed, which I love Jamal Adams, but he's not the best in coverage. He's a great no. player, but he's not the best in coverage. Nope. They you are, can't say that because then you're hating. Huh? I said you can't say that because then you're hating. I love Jamal. I'm just being. I'm calling it how I see it. I love Jamal Adams. He's one of he's yeah. one of my favorite defenders in the league. But he's not that great in coverage. Nope. He's he's a he's honestly more of a hybrid between safety and linebacker. Yes. He's not terrible in coverage, but he's not that good. Nope. You need you. They need a number one corner, and they need a, a great coverage safety on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. They're also thirtieth in rushing yards allowed. So not only is their secondary garbage outside of Jamal Adams. Their run defense is the third worst in all of the NFL. And they haven't even gone up against teams that have that great of running backs this year. So Imagine them against the Titans. If they go up against the Titans, Derrick Henry is probably going for 200. Probably. Back to the Vikings-Seahawks debate. The Vikings beat them 30-17. to 17. I Listen – Seahawks were coming into the season, again, similar to the Niners. They're not quite as complete as the Niners, but they got Russell Wilson. They got DK Metcalf. They have Bobby Wagner. They have Jamal Adams. They have Tyler Lockett. This is a good football team, or at least it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And they came into this season, and they have not shown it. Not like – look, offensively, they're it. I like them offensively. The problem is defensively. Pete Carroll is trying to run this team – like the Legion of Boom. Problem is, there's only one guy left, Bobby Wagner. He's the only guy left from the Legion of Boom. You need to understand we're not a defensive team anymore. We're not. Like, our, our the personnel we have just isn't it. So we either, A, if we want to continue, need to get better personnel, or B, say, you know what? We need to start trusting Russ more, and let's invest on the other side of the ball, namely, like you said, the offensive line. You can't if you if, if you don't want to do on the offensive line, it is what it is, whatever, but at least give him a defense. So when he's getting hit, he understands when he's on the sideline, the defense can bail it out. The defense can bail it out. You don't have that right now. You have to protect your star quarterback. And the biggest problem is, is they haven't been drafting that well because they haven't been hitting. Nope. And I love the idea of getting Jamal Adams, but giving up the two first round picks was tough. And they 
you can say they have two out of the three of the Legion of Boom era because Jamal Adams replaces Cam Chancellor pretty well. I like Cam Chancellor better in coverage. I like Cam Chancellor better in coverage too. But, but, but I get what you're saying. He does fill that hard hit in Cam Chancellor role. I, I do get that, yeah. He so, hit hard. He's probably the best pass rushing safety in the league. Mm-hmm. One of the best pass rushing safeties we've ever seen. I mean, to see a safety get seven sacks in a year is pretty nuts. I haven't seen a player on the Atlanta Falcons, my favorite team, get a seven sack season since Vic Beasley. And Vic Beasley was trash. Really? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was trash. Oh, he was tra- I'll I will tell you. He, he was trash. <laughs> I think he was solid. I think he was all right. He was trash. Grady Jarrett is a very big reason of why Vic Beasley. Look, where's Vic Beasley now? You got me there. Look, I'm not I'm not trying to make an argument that he's God or anything, but he, he's he's solid. But I, I do get your point though, you know. Um it, th- this team definitely needs to panic, especially considering, like you said, they're in the hardest division and you're without your best player. You're without your best player and the Steelers. And, like, look, I understand they, they lost to the Steelers. But, again, that's the Steelers with a big Ben who can't, who he can't throw the ball further than my two-year-old daughter. And they should have won, won that game. And they, they should have won that game. They should have. And then DK decided to fumble. Then he got Mac. Shannon Sharp called him out on Twitter. We're not going to talk about that. that but, oh, it was hilarious because he's trying to talk on Shannon Sharp. And I'm like, fam. Google him. Like Shaq says, Google me, Chuck. Google him, DK. Like, yeah. But it, it, they definitely do need to panic. If Russ comes back, dare I say, depending on how things are looking, I wouldn't even start him anymore. I would honestly just let him chill out. I would work on getting the line settled because I'm going to tell you, man, it, it's ridiculous, man. Like th- these, these guys definitely got to be panicking 100%. They got no chance to make the playoffs, which I don't think they will. <clears throat> I agree. Sit Russ. Yeah, so here is where I'm a little different. I got the Colts. Now, I have the Colts here as a maybe. And let me explain why. Carson Wentz is doing his thing. Carson Wentz is holding up his side. I don't care what anybody says. If you disagree with me, we can fight about it. I don't care. Carson Wentz is holding up his end of the deal. He's 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 got over a thousand yards. He's got over uh, fifteen hundred yards. Nine TDs. He only has one touchdown or uh, one one interception. A guy who who was being I was told is is this turnover machine. All of a sudden, the turnovers are down. He's doing everything he can, but for some unknown reason, they're losing. They're losing. Now, why would they be losing? I'm going to tell you why. They're ranked 17th. And this matters because a lot of people and plays allowed by their defense. That matters because when you when you have a guy like Carson, and I, this little guy, I still believe in. A guy like Carson Wentz, the best way to beat him is to make sure he's not on the field. That's the best way you could be. Like when, when you when you try to play a guy like Aaron Rodgers, a guy like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, when you're playing a quarterback who's a legit star, at the very least, the best way you beat them is keeping them off the field. They're, and, and teams are doing a great job in this. They're doing a great job. They're ranked 19th in sacks. So that's telling me that guys can just do whatever. That guys can just, you can give a, you can go give them plenty of ample time and they'll do whatever they want. 
passing attempts and passing completion. They are ranked 31st. So that tells me not only are guys throwing on them, guys are catching on them. Which again is now putting Carson Wentz in a hole that he cannot overcome because you're you're poo-pooing on the guy. Red zone with the red zone touchdown percentage, ranked 28th. So you know what that tells me? As soon as you're in the red zone, bro, just give him three points. Move the end zone up 20 yards, and it is what it is. That's what that tells me. The Colts, and I, I don't want to say they should full-blown panic, but they should, like, you know how the red button has the glass over it? That glass is open, and the, the hand is over. It's hovering over. Yeah. Because in the division they're in, there were some games they could have won, and the defense failed them. Which is crazy because that was their saving grace last year. And, and, and bro, they, they are a Miami 2.0. Think, think about it. The quarterback, and, and the reason I say that is like because the. the, the no, well, I'm, I'm not saying about. I'm just talking about the situation. Because the defense in both cases, defense was a saving point. They got their quarterback back, and they're like, yo, we got this. We'll go to the promise land. The quarterback is holding up their end of the deal, and the defense is letting them down. Yeah. That's what I mean by it's like Miami 2.0. You know it's, what I mean? It's similar, but not as severe. Okay, I, yeah, definitely. I like the idea. I thought about putting the Colts there, but the only reason I didn't is for a couple reasons. Um, they should have beat Baltimore. I know they didn't, but it was a good game. The Colts, cool. didn't, they didn't look that bad. They did allow Lamar to throw all over them. But me and you disagree in this. I think Lamar is st- – I. I think Lamar's got, number one, a cannon. I think that's undisputed. He has a great arm. He's accurate. I think he's a good throwing quarterback in the league. He's not He's not just a runner. You know what how I mean? About this, how about this? How about this? He's like – he's kind of like the Ben Simmons where no, you see video – you see videos of him throwing, but he doesn't really execute like that on the field. No. That's crazy. Because that's, that's like saying, no, absolutely not. Because Ben Simmons has made like two or three three-pointers in his career. Lamar Jackson the other day threw for, what, over 400 yards? Don't. I knew he threw for over 350. Against the Colts. What do you think? Against the Colts, it was 420. <laughs> threw for 420. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ask me what he did against the Chargers. I want you to ask me what he did in the, against the Chargers. He didn't need to throw the ball that much because they demolished him. They had such a fat lead. They he got picked off twice, though. He still won the game, thirty-three to six against. But, but I'm football. All, okay, you know I'm not. I'm not going to get into this argument. I'm not going to get into this argument. I promise. But he threw two picks. I mean, shit. Tom Brady's thrown two picks plenty of times. Aaron Rodgers thrown two picks before. Right. They've done that, and, and then they've done it. But right. But then at the same time. At the same time, Lamar's ja- what's Lamar Jackson's record as a starting QB in the NFL? I understand that. Okay, I understand the 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 starting the that that record. It's a great record. Don't get it twisted. It's an a amazing great, record. It is, and I'm not poo pooing on it. I'm not. But don't tell me the guy's a quarterback when he's run when he's running first. It's it, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it's just it's weird to me when Tim Tebow ran the ball when that was his first option. People came at him, and they were like, bro, he keeps running the ball. He needs to develop an arm. And it's wild to me. Lamar Jackson does the same exact thing, yet he's praised 
and vaunted about it. Yeah. I, 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 I don't get that. Well, the reason for that is, and right after this, I'll get right back to the Colts. But the reason for that is because Tim Tebow got was frowned upon because he wasn't nearly as good of a runner as Lamar Jackson is, and he couldn't throw the ball at the NFL at the NFL level. He never had a game close to throwing 420 yards in a game, not even close. Lamar Jackson did it. Okay. Lamar Jackson. Although he is a run-first quarterback, and I don't even know exactly how true that is because if, if he was a run-first quarterback, he wouldn't be throwing for 3,500, close to 4,000 yards in a season. Oh, Lamar is different because although he is a run-first quarterback, like people say, he can throw the ball. And the reason he isn't – his stats aren't alarming in how – he can't throw the ball. His completion percentages are fine. He if can't I'm checking down. My, my completion percentage will look good too. If what? If I'm checking down, my completion percentage will look all right. He's checking down, but he's still throwing deep balls to Marquise Brown. Which, which, which he's you said? Yeah, you said he was trash. So I, I don't, I don't want to hear. I you never said Marquise Brown was trash. I'm, go back, go back to the other podcast. I, we and, will, we will. Where I said Marquise Brown was trash. Next I, said, I said Marquise Brown was not a number one receiver last year, and he yeah. still probably shouldn't be a number one receiver. I do not think he's trash. Yeah, I think, people I think disrespect Hollywood because no. of Lamar's ineptitude. That's look, okay. You know what? I'm not gonna do this. Let's no. go back to the Colts. You said you you almost had them. I'm finishing okay. this real quick. Go ahead. Go I ahead. think Hollywood is nice. I think Mark Andrews is nice. I think they're both very solid players in the NFL. Okay. But if you look at all the top quarterbacks around the league, sorry, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, like those two guys, I'll, I could, Matthew Safford, regardless, Josh Allen, other examples that can pop up into my head, guaranteed Kyler Murray. Anyways, those guys have more options than Lamar Jackson does. When you have a quarterback that's as good as, Lamar Jackson, you surround him with more weapons. And it's not necessarily Baltimore's fault. They haven't been, they tried getting Juju. They couldn't get Juju. They brought in Sammy Watkins. He's straight. You know what I mean? He's nothing crazy, but he's going to fill a void. If Lamar Jackson, if they were able to get Kenny Galladay and Kenny Galladay was able to stay healthy, you would see a Lamar Jackson you haven't seen before because that allowed Marquise Brown to not get double teamed. It opened things up over the middle for Mark Andrews. The thing, everything would be different. Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. He just doesn't need to all the time because of how great his legs are. And you will see in the future that that 420 yard game isn't an anomaly. But back to the Colts. The reason why I didn't put them in the discussion for the panic teams, I thought about them. Trust me. They have probably the most winnable division in football. And I still think they can win the division because I don't think the Titans are that good. Even with the Titans just beating the Bills, I don't think the Titans are that good. They got a lot of holes on their team, and I think the Colts are underperforming right now, especially they're going to be passing the ball more when since uh, T.Y. Hilton's back. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor's a great running back. They have a solid O-line. DeForest Buckner is an amazing defensive tackle. Um Darius Leonard is one of the best linebackers in football. 
Their secondary performed last year. It's not playing that great this year, but I think they're going to come around. They're a well-coached team. They've had a tough schedule to start out the year. I think they can turn it around, and I still think they can make the playoffs. I don't, I don't know how great of a chance they have. I agree with you. They shouldn't hit the panic button, but they should. They should. You know, they should be looking at it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And it's for the players that they're the the schedule coming up. It is easy. The only pushback I'll give you is on the Titans. I think the Titans are good if they go back to what got them success, running the ball through Derrick Henry and then using the play action. Because the problem they were having, especially at the beginning of the season, they got Julio and they became pass happy. And they forgot Derrick Henry was the best player on their team. So that's, you know, I'll, if they go back to it, sure, defensively they do have some holes. I do believe that the best chance they have is – oh. It, it, it's, is bad. Oh, it's, it's down bad. There's just no debate at all, bro. It, it's, it, it really is down bad. I I hope and I pray that for some somehow that this that this defense not get better, but be opportunistic. That way, instead of locking down, when it comes to sometimes those crucial third down possessions, they could come up with a stop at times. It's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I agree with you in the sense that should they hit it? No, but I'm definitely looking at it a little bit because I'm I'm I would be concerned. Like you said, schedule coming up. It's pretty winnable. So let's maybe in three, four weeks, we'll have a better picture of how things are looking. But I'm going to tell you this right now, man, if it's looking bad, I 100 I, percent, I would I would probably go into the draft and try to get a wide receiver or something like that. You know what I mean? Because try to boost up the offense just a little bit. But. Again, that's that's a conversation for a whole nother day because we are over two hours, Chris. Yeah. We are over twelve. We would have been quicker if, you know, somebody here would uh admit Ben Simmons uh I'm not even gonna get I'm not I'm not rehashing that. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have been here this long if you were to come up with some good trades. I, I think I'll be honest with you, were those the best? No, I, I'm not gonna lie. But I think each trade has its own appeal. I think I think it, it brings something. It's not it's it's not the remember, best. I don't remember your first one exactly, but the, yeah, the, the first one would have been Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley uh, for Ben. Honestly, I did not like that one at all when I first heard it, but I liked it a lot more after hearing your second one. That's yeah. going to go down as one of the worst trade ideas I have ever heard in my life. I'm going to hit up Daryl Morey. And as soon as he answers the phone, I'm going to tell him this is the trade we're doing. When it happens and the Sixers win a title, you know where to find me. Follow us on Twitter at Prideful Takes. Uh, now, we be putting up all types of stuff. I, I love arguing with people on Twitter, by the way. It's like my favorite pastime. Yeah. It's hilarious. By the way, if you ever get bored, check out the Miami fans, my, the Miami Dolphins, their fans' Twitter. Bro, these dudes be poo-pooing on Tua every other day. Yeah. And it's just it's 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 hilarious. Catch us on Facebook at Prideful Takes. We put up memes, we put up news, and we're also live on Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, follow us on YouTube at Prideful Takes. We, we always go live there. Check out the website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only do you have every episode there, but we also have original articles. This is a problem. I know I'm ugly. You don't want to look at me. Check us out on Spotify at Pride, the Prideful Takes Podcast. Chris. My guy, it's been a pleasure. It has been. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a great time. Excited for next week. 100%. And uh, I'm just going to wrap it up and end it with this. Kevin Love would fit on the Sixers. 
I'll see you guys. <laughs> well, I'll see you guys Friday. Take care. I knew where that was going. That was a great read. Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. The handle the rush. Allen looking. It's down. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. 